Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of The Last Zebra. I have with me a very, very special guest. <laughs> Best friend from medical school, godfather to my firstborn child, the Dr. William Maxwell Cotler. Welcome to the show. Thank you for the entrance. <laughs> it's very exciting. I'm happy to be here. I've watched the uh, first couple episodes, uh, so... Excited to uh, join in. All right, thanks, thanks for coming through. How you feeling? How you okay. been? Been good. It's been a while since we got to hang out for a little bit, so this is nice. I know. I feel like we hang out mostly around something with Bijou. Yeah. We get to actually link up for that. I think the last time I saw you was for her birthday. That's my girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. what a birthday it was. Yeah, man. Is she taking pictures with her she little is, camera? She is. She is. She has it with her right now, probably yeah, in the car. She, no she's way probably home. confused as to why it's not connected to a phone. She hasn't gotten it yet. <laughs> She's still clicking away. All right, good. <laughs> she takes a picture of Kobe and Kobe, Kobe, my son, also like Is he bullies cheesing? her. Yeah, he, he bullies her, bullies the, oh. the fake camera away from her and just and he says cheese. Cheese. Oh cheese. good. He takes pictures. <laughs> he figured it out then. I know, I know. So yeah, mm. man, how you been? Been good, been working all over, all over South Louisiana. Um, hanging out. Uh, just got back from my cousin's wedding in Mexico. Whoa, I saw those pictures. Yep. All you can, uh, all you can eat and drink <laughs> all inclusive. Yeah. It was cool. Uh, I think you remember my cousin yeah, Stacy. Yeah, 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 she yeah, came yeah. to, while we were in, I think at the end of our medical school, she yeah. came to stay with us and right before we matched. So she was, uh, she always likes hearing about how everybody in New Orleans is doing. And yeah, man. Yeah, she's lovely. All the strides that we have made. Shout out to Stacy. I hope you get to watch this, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send it to her. Yeah, yeah, we'll send yeah. it to her. So yeah, man. So this is a essentially a non-clinical medical podcast, as I've told you. So want to dive into your story. How, cool. how did you become the... Or one of the Dr. Cutlers, right? So your dad's a doctor. Yeah, my dad's a yeah. doctor. Um, first, I just want to, I'm wearing Charles Tewitt tonight. You know, the fit. <laughs> All right. The jeans are uh, Ralph Lauren. All right. And we got uh, Grogu on the socks. Uh, so, yeah, just want to, in case y'all are wondering, my good friend Andrew signed me up for uh, a gift during COVID uh, as a healthcare hero. And Charles Tewitt, all of a sudden, this showed up on my doorstep. So there we go. They're not sponsored by... We're sponsored by everybody. That, he told me not to talk about anything, any, any sponsorship. So I had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, no, so yeah, my, my dad is a physician, has been practicing since, uh, you know, he, he was in residency in the early 80s at University of Miami. Um, the U. Yep. He opened up a clinic here in, in Harahan. And, uh, which I work there and, and, uh, I work emergency medicine at, uh, Tulane university as well as East Jefferson here in new Orleans. Um, and then, uh, I just got back from working, uh, clinically in Port Sulphur, Louisiana, a little, uh, freestanding urgent care ER, um, down there. Uh, my road is a little bit different than yours, but, uh, along the same path. Yeah. Um, we, we studied together in Grand Cayman at St. Matthew's University. Um, we studied a lot. 
we did study a lot. Uh, you know, there were, once it came down to it, we did study a lot, but, uh, man, you know, I'm, I'm sure, uh, we should be able to upload pictures to this podcast because the day that we left Grand Cayman, I was in tears. I was bawling my eyes out and Ugo just took me, put his, <laughs> his uh, big muscular arms around me. Oh God. <laughs> and he said, we got this, we got this. We got to go back to the U S and, and uh, we'll be back. We'll be back in Grand Cayman. So uh, we ended up in New York together. We ended up in Baltimore together um, doing clinical rotations. And then uh, uh, you matched in Louisiana and I matched in Orlando uh, at Florida Hospital, which is now Advent Health. For, for um, emergency medicine. For emergency medicine, yep. Um, Three-year uh, EM uh, residency program. Uh, had a fantastic time there. Learned a lot. Very busy uh community emergency department. And, uh, it was just the minute you walked in, it was just grind, grind, grind. So, um, yeah, it was, I definitely was not, uh, the quickest, was it always the smartest, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's especially working in the emergency department, it's about, you know, being a personality and, uh, making sure that everybody feels comfortable or, or, you know, understands what they're going through. Yeah. Uh, you know, did you did you always want to be a doctor? Was that always something on your on your radar as as far back as you can remember? Yeah, I think uh, I didn't have too much of an inkling of something as far as like a serious job. I mean, I grew up in sports and in theater, and uh, so when it came down to <laughs> when it came down to like, all right, time to pick a job in the real world. Um, I had a lot of uh, semi-clinical administrative experience, uh, working for my dad in the clinic, not even for my dad, but for, you know, people that work for him over in, uh, in Harahan in the urgent care in Harahan. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, be, because of that, uh, it, there were just some, a couple special connections with patients that, uh, you, you can't really take back. And, uh, from there, I thought I wanted to be a surgeon, mm. uh, and I did a couple uh, surgery rotations uh, for better or for worse. And uh, then I realized the emergency is much more my temp temperament. <laughs> What's the big difference between surgery and emergency for you that really settled in for you? Because your your dad he trained in surgery and then worked emergency medicine. Yeah, at uh, Jackson uh, in. At, in Miami, Jackson uh, yeah, yeah. Hospital, University of Miami, uh, real busy. They don't. They actually never had an emergency medicine program till a few years ago, maybe like five years ago. Now they. So where he trained, so where, just started. Just started emergency. emergency medicine. Yeah, that's awesome. Which is crazy. Which means they staff the ER with internal medicine and general surgeons prior to emergency medicine being a a proper specialty. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so he was a surgeon. He worked the emergency department there and then, uh, became regional medical director and had to move from Miami to new Orleans. There's a lot of in between in there, but, right, uh, right, right. uh, not even I can get it all straight. <laughs> um, so he, uh, so yeah, so, uh, yeah, for me, um, you know, I, I think part of it was being able to, as I, as I, I guess, matured through, throughout my career is just being able to, uh, say going the, 
similar path as, as my dad is and taking over, uh, what he's done as far as the urgent care. And he, he works a lot of occupational medicine, yeah. um, is much more, uh, my speed and, and didn't really need general surgery to go through that. Um, general surgery, uh, any type of surgery is it's a, uh, you, the reason residents are called residents is because these guys literally lived in the hospital, whether they were internal medicine or whether they were surgeons, they literally lived in the hospital and, and that was not for me. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so emergency medicine was perfect. I could work my shift and I could go home and I could come back the next day. Um, it was way better. So it was, it's familiar in both ways through your father and of course through what you did prior to going to medical school and and obviously choosing your residency and all that stuff and you were you were born in miami is yes. that correct yeah, yeah miami beach <laughs> born on the beach born on the beach <laughs> and and reborn in the beaches of cayman oh yeah on it became a new Aguan. <laughs> That's the, that's, it may not be Caymanian. But. That is not Caymanian. <laughs> oh, I don't okay. know what accent that is. <laughs> um, right, how old were you when you guys moved to New Orleans? Do you remember? Um, Pretty Kate, young? Yeah, my sister, my the older of my two sisters was born, so I was four. I grew up in New Orleans. Shout out to uh, Kate. Yep, Kate. And uh, the youngest, Courtney. Shout who, out to Courtney. Uh, love Ugo with a passion. They're, they're like another brother. Yep. <laughs> He's like another brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, how old how old was that? So New Orleans is basically, that makes New Orleans your, that's your, this is your home. This, this is it. This is home. And so uh, being gone from college at University of Miami through medical school and residency and coming back here was pretty special. It was like a 13 year journey to come back. So, uh, and you know, the fact that, uh, you came he to live here and, uh, have a bunch of friends here made it very easy. Yeah, so. yeah. And a lot of our friends, well, I say a lot, but some our closest friends, um, shout out to Jorge and Jay, Jay yeah. of folks that we met in medical school are here too. Yep. Uh, in no small part because of you actually, right? So we all just hung out on and the <laughs> island. <laughs> we all just hung out on the island. And then we, we of course have, uh, a few special bonds, Liverpool being one of them. Oh, yeah. Um, you'll never walk alone. Our yep. favorite football team, soccer team for, for the uninitiated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, right. uh, and we, part of us becoming friends was actually you walking around with a Saints bag. Yes. And I think me walking around with some sort of Liverpool right. something and, right. and, you know, us noticing that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, I, I remember the exactly, exactly the moment we actually had a conversation about it. It was in Anatomy Lab. Yeah. Um, we had these long, long anatomy uh, lab tables. And I think that's when I first noticed your Liverpool stuff. Yeah. And I had a, a New Orleans, um, it was a conference, ob conference. Yeah, It's actually right here, actually, right behind me. And, yeah. that, and you saw that and it's like, oh, wait, you know, New Orleans. And we've been, we've been close since. Um, how has it been? Because you've been out of practice now for, out of training now for five years. Yep, five years on the dot. Yep. Yeah. Now, have you, you've now been out of training longer than you've been in training, at least where residency is concerned, certainly not, yep. not including medical school and, and uh, college. How's being attending been? Uh, it's pretty awesome. I, and, you know, you always want colleagues around so you can bounce ideas off of them. But I'll say that uh, my training in Orlando was, uh, like I said, it was a community hospital. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different in that, uh, 
we were working with attendings that weren't all academic. Mm. So it was a mixed academic and private sort of private practice uh, type of attendings. And so that everybody focuses on something different. Some of them are working on that when they work with you, they just want you to know the medicine, right? You mm-hmm. got to know the medicine. You got to know the, some of them work on, you know, speed, right? You got to get faster. You got to do better this. And then because they come from different places, from New York, from California, from Puerto Rico, they all practiced with different medications. So they all, so it wasn't, there wasn't like, this is how you treat this. That's it. It was like, Mm. this is, these are the, this is one way to treat it. Then you go to talk to the person and you try to treat it the first way. And they're like, why would you do it that way? Who taught you that? (laughs) Right. And, and, uh, they, so they go on to the next, you know, then you go to the next one and they're like, okay, but challenge yourself to use something different. So many people use that. Right. 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 So, uh, it's, it's interesting because now I can, I I feel very confident coming out and using a multitude of medications or modalities to help treat people. And, uh, it's, I feel very fortunate to have had that experience because I know in other places, you know, you graduate from one place, you have the attendings that graduated from that place Mm -hmm. and then everybody it's a, it's circular, right? So you're, you're just, everybody's treating everything the same thing. Whereas mine was all in different directions. You're getting it from different places on how to do things, whether it's procedures or, or treatments, uh, et cetera. So it was, and then you get lectures from different parts of pretty much different parts of the country, say world, different parts of the country. Right. Um, which, yeah, like I said, I mean, it makes it uh, pretty cool when you can come out and say, all right, you tried this and it didn't work. Let's try this. Right. Here's plan B. Right. Oh, that didn't work. Here's plan C. Um, and, uh, you know, you sort of always have that in your back pocket, which I would say for emergency medicine is especially important. Right. Because uh, you're supposed to. We know a whole little about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the um, adage, the old the, uh, uh, EM, EM adage. Exactly. Yeah. The uh, right. Uh Experts in everything, master of none. <laughs> <laughs> proudly, proudly, proudly so, proudly so. So you know, it's uh, you know, very different mindset than uh, you know what you may be aiming for in uh, pulmonary critical care. So, uh, <laughs> so right. So we work together, but at the end of the day, you got to untangle my mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whether I created it or the patient created it, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out on the floor. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I always think of our, uh, as training as a gumbo pot of all of the attendings that actually influence you. Yeah. And then when you, when you're done, you yourself kind of form your own identity. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. For sure. I'm forming my own identity and I still feel the influence of my attendings. Uh, and I don't think that will ever go away. You kind of, I still kind of hear their voice, their guidance about, you know, yeah. And so I, I'm curious for you, given that you had such a, like a similar experience where that's concerned, um, do you, one, do you have exposure to, to residents, which I know you do because we, we were at Tulane together, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so you have exposure to residents. How are you navigating teaching them, uh, especially when you hear something that you may not agree with? Yeah. Do you, do you, are you a lot more malleable than some of your attendings may have been? Um, so the attendant, the uh, residents that I work with aren't necessarily emergency medicine. That's true. So That's they're true. not focused in emergency medicine. Um, we do have residents that moonlight with us mm-hmm. and I always tell them I'm available to, to talk to them, but it's, they like to, when they get out, uh, into the field, you know, spread their wings, um, and, you know, sort of see what they can do. But certainly, uh, if there's any procedures or anything that they need help with, uh, 
you know, we're available, always available to answer the phone and talk to them. They're right. working essentially under my license when they moonlight. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, certainly if, uh, they want to add, add something or they think about this, you know, I, you know, you try to say yes before saying no. Sometimes mm. things are a little crazy, a little out of the box, but, uh, you know, you just remember being a resident and, uh, you know, you, you want that autonomy, but at the same time, obviously you, you've got to learn. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, is it learning from me or is it learning from your attending? I work a lot of nights. And so is the attending available or is it just me? Um, I've had residents, uh, come to me. I think the better residents, maybe that's just because they're coming to me to ask me <laughs> to something. Um, but if they're asking me questions, that means they're wanting to learn. Right. So right. they're interested in, in their practice and they're interested in what I'm doing and what I think. Um, but I've also had them say, Hey, if you're going to do this procedure, can you call me and, and, uh, I can come down to the ER and, and help you, or maybe I can do one or, mm -hmm. um, uh, can we definitely watch? So, uh, like the last time I did a central line, I had like a group of like three or four residents and I think a student and it was odd because it was overnight. Um, but the resident that was on sort of encouraged everybody to come and watch awesome. everybody that was available to her. So That's that awesome. was super interesting. Uh, cause that was, you don't always get that. Um, or if I intubate, if I have one of, uh, your fellows or one of your, uh, uh, residents, you know, uh, <clears throat> I'll say, Hey, come on, uh, come on down if you want to take a look or if you want to do it yourself, you know, how many have you done, et cetera. Right. So, you know, you're in a teaching institution. Once again, I may not be your Attending. direct teacher, right. Um, but there's plenty to learn. Um, and I know, you know, the residents there, they're overworked and for the hours they work, if you calculate it, it's something like they get paid like less than $15 per hour. So it's, uh, you know, better than some, but not great when it comes to being a doctor, but, right. uh, you know, it's definitely not what they got into, but, uh, at the end it's, it, it pays off. Yeah. You know, is there any other non EM non-surgical field in medicine that you thought about? And if, if not, I'm asking you now, what would you do if you couldn't do EM or surgery? Like medicine wise? Yeah. Or anything else. Or anything else. Yeah. I'd be a professional footballer. <laughs> uh, that's soccer. If you are. <laughs> for the uninitiated. For the uninitiated. Uh, for a Liverpool football club. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. I'd probably wear the number six. And, uh, you know, I'd probably score something like 20 goals a season. I don't know. 20 goals a season as a number six? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's that's Fabinho and Tiago. That's Tiago exactly. Tiago isn't scoring uh, twenty. That's goals. because he's too creative. <laughs> <laughs> but in medicine, what would you do as an alternative? Um. Well, oh man, I, I probably would go back to surgery of some sort. Is you know, it was I had a uh, an amazing time in the operating room. You're that's probably the most intimate you can be with a person that's true. because you're seeing a part of them that they cannot themselves see unless you are filming the surgery for them. Right. Um, right. So in a sense, you know them better than they know themselves. And it's, you know, we're not talking about mentally, we're talking about physically. Right. You've, you've are, you know, inside of them, uh, with for gallbladder appendix, um, you know, uh, any type of trauma, um, you know, I, 
uh, here in New Orleans, we have the world famous Dr. Norman McSwain, uh, who wrote the book on trauma and uh, helped create EMS as it looks now and uh, had an opportunity to, to work with him as a medical student um, and uh, operate with him in an OR, which I can always brag about whenever asks me if I've ever, they say, you're too young to know about this gentleman, but Dr. McSwain. Um, and that is one of the most intimidating, uh, you know, that was one of the most intimidating experiences for me, but, uh, you know, it's amazing. It's it, that I think is what I'd have to go back to. And, and, uh, in residency, we did, uh, trauma, we did actually three blocks or three months of trauma ICU. And, uh, in those experiences, we were the only residents in the hospital. Wow. Um, it's a little bit of a different experience than compared to other ERs. Right. So, uh, we, once again, we were in a community hospital and in a, uh, tra- in a, trauma center, you know, you're going to get a lot of traumas every day. We didn't get a whole lot of trauma. So to try and make up for that, we did three months of trauma ICU. And, uh, when you're the only resident in the hospital, uh, people will sort of lean on you to say, you want to do this, you want to do this, you want to do this. So you get a whole lot of procedures and a whole lot of experience. And do you want to go in the OR with me? You know, I know you're not a surgeon, but you certainly you're allowed. And, uh, so that's another thing about the program that I was a part of that cannot take away it's that was amazing uh that was an amazing experience so to answer your question (laughs) um probably uh surgery is probably where i would sort of settle back on um if i was smart enough maybe something like dermatology uh which has a little bit of you know fine surgery to it um but much better hours, you know. <laughs> Work-life balance is a big uh, thing now. Absolutely, yeah. What 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 is it for you? Because I, when you talk to other providers, other physicians, certainly, and you ask them about, you know, what is it in the patient-doctor interaction or in their job? Uh, for most people, it's the patient-doctor interaction that kind of adds a level of meaning to their. Uh, to their affinity and their joy and their happiness for for the craft that they for for the work that they do in medicine. Yeah, drug seekers. And <laughs> drug seekers. <laughs> That's emergency room. <laughs> but what is it? What is it for you? Because I always think of the emergency room as such a transient. It's it's a place of it's a it's a a place of just trans trans you know not transaction but transient. Transiency, if you will, especially in the city. Yeah, so people are, people are coming in and out rather quickly, or and in and out either into the hospital or, or in and out back from whence they came. Um, so I imagine you don't get to, except obviously the repeat comers, but I imagine you don't get to develop that patient doctor relationship that a lot of people, you know, seem to enjoy about being a physician. So what is it about the emergency room from that personal perspective uh, that, you know, attracts you to it? Yeah. So uh, another way to ask that could be, why does someone go to the emergency department? Fair, fair, fair. Right. And you can think about it in a multitude of ways. Um, But if you could think about it in this way, somebody only goes to the emergency department if they're at their lowest or most scared. Mm. And if you can treat that person like they are at their most vulnerable, whether it's they're just asking for a sandwich 
or whether they're having chest pain and they're having a real heart attack or having chest pain and it's not a heart attack. Uh, maybe they're anxious, whatever. But if you can treat all those people the same, then you will always find satisfaction in your job, right? Especially in the emergency department. Doesn't, you, you know, you may not remember the name of everybody that walks in right. because they're not necessarily your patient, but you can say, this guy came in hungry and we gave him a turkey sandwich, right? Um, and, and that was enough. That's it. That was enough. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So the, the ability to provide some sort of um, relief, at least for, of, would you say a vast majority of your patients? Yeah, in some way, all the patients. Not everybody's always happy, right. but sometimes people come in and they just want to pick a fight. <laughs> and so you can give them a little bit of a fight and then you got to say, all right, no more fighting. <laughs> right? But that's all they want. You know, They just want to be heard for a little bit and uh, you know, yell at someone and, and you say, why are you yelling? And they'll be like, I don't know. I just <laughs> want to be heard. Right. Wow. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that happens too. you know, in New Orleans, we get a lot of intoxicated people. They're mad at us that the ambulance brought them to the hospital and that we want to not let them go back out onto the street if they're still, uh, you know, too intoxicated to walk. <laughs> um, but they don't understand. And, that. But, and, you know, you could try to reason with someone. But have you tried reasoning with the drunk recently? <laughs> Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, good. Uh, so <laughs> it's like reasoning with your bijou. <laughs> yes, there is no reason. <laughs> there is no reason. Eventually, you just accept. So, <laughs> exactly. Eventually, you just accept. Yeah, it's a toxic relationship. And so, uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, like I said, I mean, if if you take interactions like that personally, I mean, you're not going to find any satisfaction in the job. So. You just uh, do the best you can. And, and like I said, sometimes it's about giving somebody a sandwich or a glass of water. Sometimes you can, healthcare-wise, you can really take care of some critically ill people, which yeah. is always satisfying. Um, you know, of course, those people then go to you in the ICU and we got to say, like, how are they doing? Are they still alive? Did they pass away? How's their family doing? Yeah. So we don't always get uh, that positive closure. response or negative response or closure. Um, but in the moment, we can feel pretty confident in, in, uh, in our work. I've, I always had an affinity for the, for the emergency room. I think in a way there are a lot of similarities between the, between the ICU, critical care and the emergency room. I think usually the way I think about ICU is when, when someone walks into the ICU or is brought into the ICU, there is, there are one or two problems that are very obvious that you need to fix. And I think of the emergency room that way as well. Yeah. You know, you, you listen to their story. It's very obvious like this. We need to do this right now and s sort out the rest uh, later. Do you feel like that is a good uh, comparison? Yeah. S sometimes as somebody's story goes on, you got to sort of be like, all right, why is this person? Why is this person here? Like, what is it that made them? Once again, they're at their most vulnerable. Right. So how can you get coax that out of them? Why is this person here? Why? what brought them in at three o'clock in the morning? Cause they're talking about a whole lot and I just, I'm not following. So sometimes you do have to stop and be like, all right, I don't want to be, I don't want to be rude, but what's going on? What, what, what brought you in here tonight? Like, what are you worried about? What can I do for you tonight? All right. And, uh, you know, sometimes you gotta be like that, but yeah, absolutely. I feel like 
there's one thing, maybe two things, you know, that they just could not wait on. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, they had to come in immediately and, and get it checked out. What, what do you feel is an unrecognized or, um, underappreciated difficulty about being an emergency room doctor? Um, a lot of things that we're asked to help with or patients ask us for, um, maybe more social than anything. Right. So, uh, I came in because it's cold outside and mm. I, I don't have a place to stay tonight or I have had, uh, I've had this problem for a few months and just nobody's doing anything about it. I was like, nobody's doing anything about it. Well, I saw my doctor about it last week and you know, they don't have an answer for me. And so for me, it's like, in. if it's been months and they don't have an answer for you, I don't know that we're going to find an answer for you in the next hour, two hours, three hours of you being here with me. But I can tell you whether it's an emergency or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, some of those social things are extremely difficult uh, to deal with. Um, and in a lot of emergency departments across the country, there's social workers or case managers or something to that effect there in that are in play. Um, but most of them work nine to five, right. Or like a, a seven to seven or an eight to eight or something like that. So, uh, if somebody comes in at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning, uh, yeah, it's not, we're not going anywhere too fast. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned you you know you toggle between the urgent care, the uh, the the hospital emergency room, so yep. Tulane, and uh, and another uh, rural medicine. Rural medicine. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's that like? Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, the the people that I take care of uh, rurally, uh, and we're talking about Plaquemines Parish down in Port Sulphur, though that's amazing. Mm. Those people generally are just grateful that they have a, a facility to go to. Uh, so instead of driving two hours to get health care, they can drive five, 10 minutes. If they're, if they're beyond even where the hospital is, sometimes 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So those people are, are generally very grateful. And uh, sometimes, you know, you make recommendations or you try to put them on a path and uh, sir, you know, you're having a heart attack. We're going to have to call the ambulance and send you to the hospital. They're like, I am not leaving my neighborhood. I'm not wow. leaving, I'm not leaving this area to go to the hospital. That's, you're talking crazy. I'll just go see my doctor tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, but we found the problem. We know what's going on. Why, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I remember probably within my first month working there now, five years ago, probably could be to the day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That's, it's been, you know, five years plus of working there. And they, uh, there was a patient who was like, I can't lift my arm. It's, you know, it feels funny. And, you know, we did a CT scan and I was like, you have a stroke. had a stroke. Like you very much had a stroke and we have to send you to the hospital. And they're like, no, I'm not. I'm not going, I'll just get it worked up by my doctor, but thank you. <laughs> thank, thanks for, you know, I was like, okay, <laughs> that's what you want. What do you do in that situation? Cause you can't force them, right? No, of course not. Yeah, right. So I, I, you have you, them, you protect yourself in yeah. that moment, you protect yourself and, uh, you know, you have them sign out against medical advice, you protect the hospital, but you know, you're still like, listen, please 
this, we're not just because you're signing this piece of paper does not mean we're fighting. We're not right, in right. a fight here. You can come back at any time. And I really want to send you to the hospital. You need much more workup. You need, uh, you need probably on medications that I am. I'm an emergency medicine doctor and I don't really know exactly the regimen that you need right, to be right, on. Right, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, please come back. Do not hesitate. And, and, you know, maybe their family members next to them and they're like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> uh, so it's, you just, like amazing. I said, you do the best you can <laughs> and try to explain it. And, you know, when you tell someone like you had a heart attack or you had a stroke or, uh, I had a young girl, I was like, you're in DKA mm. and, uh, and you're pregnant. And they're, wow. like, they're like, nah, I'm not going, I'm not going to the hospital. I'll take care of this. So the, the the facility itself is not a hospital. Nope. So it's uh, designated as an urgent care, but we would like it to be designated as a freestanding emergency department because okay. it's uh, it's a massive facility with uh, an urgent care that has a cardiac room, a trauma room, two procedure rooms, um, which are nicer than anything I've been in uh, wow. in this city, and. Uh, and then on the the floor above is primary care as well as uh, turnkey medical clinics. Um, so if you wanted to do a pulmonary clinic there once a month, you could literally check in and do a pulmonary clinic there once a month and uh, treat people for their COPD or the you know the granulomas on their lungs or or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, I mean they're always looking for uh, specialists to come in. They've got psychiatry that comes in. Well, they do. They come in every two weeks, mm -hmm. uh, but every week there they'll do every you know they'll alternate between telemedicine and physically being there right 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 um dermatology comes uh i think once a month or once every or maybe once a week uh podiatry comes once a week obgyn is coming at once every, every two weeks oh wow um so the uh, it's an amazing facility that offers a lot to the community right um, and we just had meetings with our senators today, uh, uh, regarding, uh, you know, uh, funding and, and, uh, uh, adding like EMS and ambulance services for the facility, uh, specifically, but, uh, yeah, it's, that is a very, very neat place to work. Um, you know, we get, it's in an area of Louisiana where there's a ton of fishermen and there's a ton of hunting, mm -hmm. whether it's offshore or inshore. Um, and, uh, and so we get to see people from all over the country, mm -hmm. uh, just like in Louis, just like in New Orleans, right, really. Right, I mean, you right. get people with trip and falls that come into the emergency department <laughs> all the time, but you know, you get a lot of hook in hands and, uh, or, you know, uh, snake bites, I, no snake bites. Don't worry about the snakes. <laughs> oh, you know, I don't all right. Alligator bites. Yeah, I could alligate it this way. Um, yeah. What's so, the what's the closest hospital? Like uh, proper the, hospital. Yeah. So Ashner West Bank and West Jeff. Wow. Yeah. So an hour and some change. So Almost from hours. there is probably if you're going lights and sirens, probably at the fastest is thirty five to forty minutes. Wow. 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 To to Ashner West Bank and maybe forty five minutes to an hour to West Jeff. That's awesome. So when you're out there, you are out there. And right, right. now we've got a, uh, uh, an emergency medicine hyperbaric fellow out there uh, who's practicing on his own. And uh, so hopefully uh, he's doing well. I got my phone next to me in case he calls. Like I said, <laughs> when, we, when we have, uh, uh, you know, residents or fellows, you know, uh, moonlighting, 
um, a brief call away so that they can... Uh, yeah, somebody they can lean on. Yeah, they can lean on, exactly. What What is the... This may sound like a silly question, but what is the difference between an urgent care proper and a freestanding emergency room? Because we do actually have a lot of freestanding emergency rooms in the state of Louisiana. I think the only one I can think about is probably West Jeff or one Mar- of the Jeff. Marrero, Ashner Marrero yeah, yeah, yeah. over there. Um, um, but think- if you're driving to Houston, you see that you see like one every you know 10 miles or so for just freestanding emergency rooms. And they just look, in my mind, I think of them as just bigger urgent cares. Why is that a wrong category? Why, why shouldn't I think of it that way? Um, it's not a, a terrible way to think about it, but then you think about, uh, so the nurses will be uh, uh, RNs, mm-hmm. right? They'll be uh, ER trained, right? So they'll have uh, be comfortable with very ill patients um, that you can start on BiPAP or CPAP. There's probably going to be a respiratory therapist, um, you'll be, you know, we, you can do x-ray CT scan. You'll probably be able to do like troponins to mm-hmm, look at, uh, mm-hmm. for heart attack, um, or, you know, you know, treat the CHF, treat the DKA. Um, you'll be able to, uh, so in ERs, you need to be, be able to do all that. Right. In, uh, in this freestanding, well, urgent care ER, I call it a, a mix between because I can do serial troponins and rule somebody out. I can do a CT scan looking for appendicitis. Okay. Um, I can write, uh, I can work somebody up for CHF. Um, we can do BiPAP, but it's not proper BiPAP or CPAP. Okay. It's like the EMS uh, blow by C, like CPAP yeah, yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, uh, we can't hang insulin. I can't do like an insulin drip for DKA. Um, I cannot. Um, so, you know, all all of the above patients are critically ill and have to go to the hospital. Um, but I can't do that. I can identify it there and I can start treatment there. Um, so I can, we can give IV insulin. Uh, we might have to, we maybe could do a drip, I guess, but we'd have to make it ourselves. There's no pharmacist gotcha. there. And then transfer. Um, and then once transfer. You yeah. Once you start identify treatment, start treatment, I can intubate there. I can right. put in chest tubes there. Um, uh, you know, I can, if I can, Fracture management I can do there. Um, I don't have to send them to that. Somebody had a hook in their neck. Wow. You know, I can take that out there if I am feel comfortable that the uh, carotid's not involved. Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's a whole lot that we can, we can do. So this facility is a little bit special compared to your run-of-the-mill urgent care. Gotcha. Um, which I would say is, is mostly, you know, you're looking for uh, quick in-and-outs, uh, right? Lacerate, you know, there's funny billboards across Texas that talk about, you know, this is what you go to an urgent care for. This is what you go to an ER for. Right. So it's like cut on your hand, urgent care, limb falling off (laughs) ER. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, so, you know, urgent care one, it's in the city. Um, so you're definitely close to more ERs. Um, if you need to transfer, it's, that's why this facility is is so unique. But um, you know, you can do EKGs and chest X-rays. You're not going to be able to do serial troponins. Right. Um, I can do a point of care glucose and and maybe start an IV and hang fluids, but uh, may not be able to identify for like DKA by getting you know full labs. Um, maybe not. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, you can swab for the COVID, flu, strep, all that. Right. All that type of unique stuff. I uh, you know. Uh, 
you can probably do fracture management, but uh, you're not going to be able to do like conscious sedation to like reduce a shoulder or something right, like that. Right. That may need to go in. If you can't get it in, that may need to go in. Wow. Do, you, do most freestanding emergency rooms have the capability? They, well, naturally, they have the capability to do all those things that you just uh, highlighted. But do they have the capability to then observe? So like a step down unit where if you had someone that had heart failure or COPD exacerbation that presented to the freestanding emergency room, it's not like you can you know, admit them somewhere or is there somewhere you can watch them for 24, 48 hours? Do most of them have that capability? I would say most of them, the plan is to admit them and have them transferred. Mm. I do remember interviewing in one ER here in Louisiana where uh, it was a freestanding and the doctor that was there was managing a, the ER doctor was managing a DKA a uh, COPD and a CHF that were both on uh, BiPAP and then the DK was on the insulin drip. Mm -hmm. And I remember, and then the waiting room was full and I remember thinking, are those patients admitted? And he was like, yeah, they're admitted. They're just waiting for beds and thinking like, when are they going to get beds? I don't know. And me being like, this is not the place for me. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for, you know? Uh, and, uh, and I was like, so what if they just get better? Right. Mm -hmm. Like what if what if you treat them? Do you discharge them or they're admitted and they're looking for a bed? So somebody else has to discharge them. Yeah, like what? Yeah, yeah. So I would say that most places may not have a step down or OBS unit. Um, recently, Tulane was bought by, right. uh, you know, bigger, bigger hospital system, LCMC. And uh, the plan is to create a step down unit that I think uh, I don't want to I don't think that anything's hundred percent at this point, but yeah. I think the plan is to have a, uh, like a hospitalist round, uh, on them and, uh, be able to discharge them if they're admitted to observation. I was just about to say, because, because you guys work on a shift schedule that is kind of yes haphazard at best. Cause I, I, I mean, I've, there are entire lectures on ER physician to ER physician handoffs there. It's a big thing that can go really well or can go very poorly. And so if somebody's not handed off properly, properly, uh, somebody, uh, could become, you know, that is supposed to be getting better could become critically ill. Why is it a big thing? Because it's happened where, uh, people, you hand off a patient, uh, as I leave my shift and, and, uh, you know, I say to you, all right, this person is, uh, in DKA, they're, they're admitted and they're being transferred and, or they're just waiting for a bed. And, mm -hmm. and so you're like, all right, they're waiting for a bed. And I got 20 people here, uh, waiting for me to see them. So you go see them like, you know, two at a time, two at a time, two at a time. And then somebody comes to you and they're like, uh, this person doesn't look like they did 20 minutes ago. And then you're like, Oh shoot. Like when was the last time somebody checked a sugar on this person? They're on an insulin drip. Wow. Right. And so, uh, things can get, a little bit lost as you get. So yeah, there are episodes like that for sure. And, and so the handoff is extremely important. Um, but once again, I mean, that's part of the reason that I was like, I am not working in a, in a freestanding ER. Um, I need, uh, I need a little bit of support behind me. Right. So, right. Right. And, and working in the rural emergency department, you know, it can be a little bit scary and, uh, or, you know, rural urgent care, um, can be a little bit scary, but, but like I said, I mean, uh, to get the care that they need, you know, we can always call an ambulance there's in the area to, 
to move them. Um, and it works fairly well at this point. Um, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of a different world out there. I can imagine. Yeah. So five years out, five years from now, where do you want to be? Uh, back in Grand Cayman with my shirt off, uh, <laughs> drinking pina coladas. Can I retire? Is it too soon? It's never too soon to retire. I didn't think so. All right. Um, but you got to no, wait until, think, uh, until the bariatric fellow gets off, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think uh, uh, I've done a lot of telemedicine call. I think, uh, you know, work. I love working in the ER, but working less shifts in the ER, working more in the uh, urgent care that I, that I now own. And, uh, you know, I, finding a little bit more of that work-life balance that you spoke about earlier to, and making things le- less hectic and slowing things down, spending more time with uh, my godchild Bijou. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, do, you th- do you find yourself thinking about stuff outside of medicine in that, in that five-year time span? So what would you do with, as, you, as you get more time in the work-life balance, what would you do? What would you do at that time? I think the easy answer is like traveling. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend, Sam, traveling with her for sure. Shout out to Be- Sam. Being able to travel with, uh, with y'all. I, I know that she always want, it says like, all right, when are we going to take, uh, the, when are we going to take Bijou to, out to dinner? When is she going to sleep over? When, yeah, yeah, yeah. when are we going to take her to Disney World? <laughs> y'all will be the ones to take it to Disney World. I, <laughs> I have strong, strong, strong feelings about Disney World. Because you didn't have that as a kid, but you had Disney Channel as a kid, and this is how you watched it. <laughs> you know, my feelings are I'm not taking the kids to Disney World until they're old enough to ride all the rides. Okay. And, but I myself will go several times. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, those kids are tall, so it's not going to be that many I know, years. It, shan't, it shan't be long, but yeah. myself and my wife will go to Disney World, with, you know, of course, with you guys. But I already know we're going to get some resistance about bringing them, coming without bringing the kids, but that's 100% the plan. Until <laughs> <laughs> they're able to, to make, because I want to have a good time. I was going to say, I, it might be more fun. Yeah, I, I want to have a good time. I know, and I see parents, you know, when they go to theme parks, you see videos all the time. I saw a video last night of a, of a dad. I know he's making it for, for the TikTok, but he was running on thread, treadmills with holding his two kids, trying to... <laughs> <laughs> preparing for his trip to, to Disney, Disney World. Yeah. I'm not about to do all that, man. Yeah. Come on, man. You, you, you could drag him by the leash. Oh, no, we can't do the leash. <laughs> <laughs> can't, oh, we can't do the leash. Yeah. We, can't do, we can't be seen. Shout out to Jay like Gannon. That. <laughs> Is that what he's going to yeah, do? That's what he did. That's how his parents <laughs> took care of <laughs> Jay wasn't a leash. Uh, he's a leash boy. <laughs> oh, my God. We got to get Jay on the, on the podcast to talk uh, about the leash uh, story. Yeah, he got to. Wow. Yeah. So uh, when is your next trip to Cayman? Um, and am I invited? Well, so I think the plan is uh, Cayman, of course, having a very special place because that's where we went to medical school. But the plan is for the kids to go, the kids and Benet to go um, probably sometime within the next four or five months. All right. So, I mean, you're always invited. You can put that on your schedule. <laughs> you're always invited. My mom would love to see you, as uh, you know. Uh. Um, so, yeah, you could, you know, that's the plan. Uh, they try to go at least twice a year, once or twice a year. Ugo's uh, mother is a physician. Yes. She scored higher than him on her board exams. <laughs> don't let... Smoked it. <laughs> I don't like to talk about it. And, I'm very uh, proud of my mother. And, and she used to uh, 
cook for us in Cayman. She used to uh, make us food in Cayman. And uh, Ugo used to bring her his laundry. That's true. <laughs> like any good, any good son would. To like, <laughs> I think every boy, every little uh, young boy would do that too. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Cayman a little bit. That was, that was quite an experience. Oh, yeah. The island. It's, uh, it's one of those where, you know, I think in the moment that we did pretty good job of enjoying it. I think so, too. Uh, I think that uh, when we think about work-life balance, we had much more back then than we, than I, I had much more back then than I do now. Um, but, uh, you know, we had our favorite bar, rest mm -hmm. in peace, Calico, Calico Jacks. Jacks. Yeah. And uh, we made a lot of friends there that uh, come off the cruise ship or, uh, you know, they would be on, they're on vacation. Um, you know, the bartenders as well are uh, from Cayman, from Canada, from Australia, from all over, from the U.S. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that place pff, got me through a whole lot of heartache when you think about like... Uh, the, the hard times in Grey's Anatomy or like uh, <laughs> ER, like where would they go? I know. You know, they go to their local. That was it. It just so happened that ours was on a beach. <laughs> yeah. Cayman is, man. And we met, I mean, to, to say that we went to medical school there, we certainly um, enjoyed the island. I think you, you and I have, have had this conversation a bunch of times about how so many people would save to go where we went to medical school. Yeah. And we were there for two years, two years and some change. Yeah. And I think we 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 had a good time and still got the work done. Still right? got the work done. And Absolutely. Of course that was the most important thing. Yeah. But of the least important things, being on the beach was very important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Being on the beach, uh watching sunsets. Oh yeah. A million sunsets. Chasing sunsets. Chasing well, sunrises. Well, yeah. Sunrises and sunsets. Yeah, we had a we had one day where we tried to catch the sunrise and the sunset yep. on the same day. We have a video. You, of a you bunch have of to video. go to uh, the other side of the island to catch the sunrise because where we lived is where the sun set. Right, right. And uh, so that was an amazing adventure. Uh, shout out to Zia. Zia, <laughs> and Abib, Colleen. Colleen is all our friends. And, uh, and all our wonderful doctors at this point. Oh, yeah. everybody's, pra everybody's got their own practice. Everybody's working. Um, and, uh, um, shoot, what was I going to say? Yeah. Chasing the, uh, sunsets. I mean, yeah, it was, you know, you'd walk into the place and like, it was literally like cheers. Sometimes you want to go where, where everybody, everybody knows, knows your name. name. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you're still close with all these people today. And I've had people say like, I wish I enjoyed it. Like you and Ugo enjoyed <laughs> came in i was like you only you were we were only there for a little bit of time and and uh for all the whether it was good or bad you know you know you made it out and uh just think about that time very fondly and there are some very unique challenges to going to a caribbean medical school um mm -hmm. none the least of which being that it's a very different experience from the structure and obviously saying disrespectfully i think very thankful to St. Matthew's for giving us the opportunity. Yep. Um, I think the the way, you know, stateside school is structured is very different <laughs> from how it is on the, with, with most Caribbean medical schools. Of course, the, the challenge of, you know, it's not as, um, 
is the word I'm looking for. It's not as free flowing, if you will. I think yeah. the the which made things difficult at times, right? But it made the experiences very worthwhile, right? It, it's one of those kind of trenches situation when you go through something yeah. really, really challenging because the challenge was it. Sometimes it was. It, it's not. Some sometimes the failure is of no fault of your own. Yeah, and I'm I'm not saying that to make excuses, but. Sometimes, you know, you had some challenges that were nothing, nothing related to you being a med, like medical school. It's not because you didn't sit down and study. It's not because, you know, it, it, it was just because there are certain kinks and flaws to that particular type of system yeah. that adds extra elements of, uh, of resistance <laughs> to you progressing. And um, I look, of course, you look back at it fondly but a lot of it is man wow i'm really i'm thankful i went through that kind of hardship because now certain things you appreciate a little bit more Absolutely. for sure um but could have been could have been easier <laughs> yeah, especially when people tell you like you're not gonna be able to do this oh yeah, right? yeah like yeah, 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 it, yeah when i was uh applying for emergency medicine they're like it's you got to try to do something else that nobody's going to take a uh, foreign medical grad for emergency medicine. Yeah. Right. The amount of times I heard that I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe I'm gonna have to do something else. Yeah. I, I mean, I heard the same for certainly for applying for pulmonary critical care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kind of carries kind of, it feels like a, at least at the beginning, especially when you're trying to apply to residency, there's a certain stain that coming from a Caribbean medical school, uh, foreign medical grad kind of, kind of, you know, stays on you. Um, but I wear that now as a badge of honor for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause you know, and you know, you speak to other people and they're like, I should have done it that way. And I'm, and at times I'm like, yes. And at times I'm like, mm. I don't think you would have made it. <laughs> <laughs> hey. But if I can do it, I think anybody can do it. It was, it was it, I mean, you have to, you, it, it's a test of endurance, right? Yeah. That's, oh, that's yeah. really what it is. It's a test of endurance yeah. and perseverance. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm purposefully being vague about exactly what those challenges were <laughs> uh, yeah. because some of them are so nebulous. You, yeah. You're not even sure yeah. why, you know, this is happening. Yeah. You know? uh, some of them are very specific, but, <laughs> but yeah, we, some of the cool things about Cayman, I mean, we, uh, you know, the school was, uh, a good part of the community, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. technically we're all, I don't know if expats is the right word or not. I mean, but we're all coming from different places to live there for two years. Right. Um, we've got student visas and uh, the school is pretty well connected to, uh, you know, the local, to the local community. Yeah. So, you know, I remember we, we did uh, like healthcare drives where we would take blood pressures and take uh, people's blood sugars in the community. Um, one of our good friends, Mark uh, was uh, who's, just finishing in Cayman now, um, was, uh, you know, he taught, told me about all the different things he did, uh, in the community as well. I mean, we had, uh, speakers come from, yeah. uh, Miami. My dad was a speaker. Yeah. Um, we had a like breast cancer symposium. Um, we had quite a few symposiums. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, giving back to the community. It, yeah. All about exactly all about, uh, getting the community into or around the school and, uh, giving back, certainly to what the community, I mean, you know, uh, all going out to the different restaurants and stuff. And they're like, Oh, you're one of the medical students, right? It's like very, you know, if you try to find it on a map, Grand Cayman sits underneath Cuba and, uh, 
<clears throat> beside Jamaica. I mean, it's tiny. Yeah. It is a tiny speck. You know, without zooming in, you know, tenfold, you can't find it. It's and, it's be- and you definitely can't find the sister islands. Oh, Brack you know? and Little Cayman. Yeah. My mom lived on Cayman Brack before she moved to Grand Cayman. Yeah, what a place. What a place. Would you do it all over again? Uh, when I finished five years ago, I said I would 100% do all of it all over again. When I finished residency, yeah. definitely when I graduated, I said I would do it all over again. When I finished, I, th- I feel like the further I get into my career, I'm like, uh-huh. maybe I would not do it again. <laughs> not for any other reason that it just seems, I guess, so long ago. I yeah. mean, we started in 2010, so that's 13 years ago. We met in 2010 yeah. and uh, I mean, it's, I think the further I get from that, from that time, the, I guess the less, I don't know, I would do it again. You the easy answer again? is I would do it again <laughs> in a heartbeat. I mean, that's, that's the quick and dirty. I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was uh, one of the best times of my life. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I really enjoyed uh, residency as well. Um, I, you know, I, like I said, I was in Orlando, so uh, you know, you finish the shift and you'd end up at Disney World for like, you know, 9, 9 a.m. or something like that. Or you finish the shift at night and you'd go watch the fireworks or go to Universal. Uh, you know, my I got to room with one of my best friends, Jorge, one Shout of our other uh, yeah, best medical school friends. And uh, we lived right down the street from Universal. So being able to go get dinner quickly. And I mean, Jorge is yeah. here too in New Orleans with us. Yeah. I'm going to have to get him on here too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he's sort of in a rural hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's about uh, 30 minutes. Well, it, it's not hard to get rural when you're in New Orleans. When you're in New Orleans, yeah. yeah. You, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a long drive to get to rural in New Orleans. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's, 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 he's certainly one of those all-purpose doctors where he's at. I can't wait to talk to him about that because he does so much for that hospital. Yeah. He does so much for that community. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great guy. <laughs> Love him. Love, Love him. that guy. Yeah, man. Love that guy. <laughs> But yeah, man, uh, thanks so much. Thanks for coming through. This is good. This is uh, fun. This is good. If you need me to do it again, um, you know, <laughs> I'm here. You know, if you're short on content or whatever. I'll hit uh, you up. Yeah, just hit me up. Um, we'll have your I Skittles. Want, I want, yeah, I definitely need uh, Reese's. Reese's, uh, Reese's. Peanut butter cups. Any special type? Big of cups, Reese's? maybe. Okay, big cups. Yeah, big cups. Not um, just, because I, I thought you wanted just the yellow Skittles the first time we saw Yeah, no, that's, no. That's no. M&M's, M&M's, by the way. Yellow but M&M's? There's that, no yellow Skittles? But there, there's probably yellow Skittles, but I didn't say yellow Skittles. <laughs> I said Marshawn Lynch likes the Skittles. He does, he does. But uh, what, uh, last thing, mustache, we're at the end of November now. Movember. Right? So Movember is a special month. I wear the mustache because my, my dad wears a mustache and uh, it's Men's Health Awareness Month. Um, so whether it's physical health, uh, you know, we're talking about prostate cancer, testicular cancer, anything like that, or even mental health, um, there's a lot of ways to give for Movember. Um, so always uh, be on the lookout. And if somebody's wearing a mustache and it's November, think about uh, men's health. Men's health. <laughs> Look at that! You you get a public service health announcement. Yeah, and along the, with and the fit and the, don't forget the fit. That, who was it again? The fit. Uh, so yeah, it comes from my buddy Andrew Darlington, but it's Charles Tewitt, uh, <laughs> Ralph Ralph Lauren. All right. Um, let me see. The underwear is. Uh, do, we, do we need on? We don't need. Underwear. Oh, all right. I think we're Calvin good. Klein. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Keep it tight. Well, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll have you back for sure. Yep. Whenever you got some time. I love you, dude. I love you too, man.
And that's the episode. Thanks, y'all. What do you think? I think we did good. Yeah, it's not bad, right? Nope, kept it flowing. Yeah. I feel like... Uh... <laughs>